0: Uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fact that uh, yesterday is past and tomorrow isn't promised, and the only thing that we're left with is today. Today is all. We have, it's the only opportunity that we have to do what needs to be done, say what needs to be said, change what needs to be changed. Uh, Today's our only opportunity to love, to live, to laugh, to forgive, to extend compassion, uh, to do the generous thing, to do the gracious thing. Today is all we have. It's all you have, it's all that I have. You can't go back and undo, redo yesterday and you don't even know if you're gonna have tomorrow, so this is it. And so we're supposed to make the most Love it so that's what we've been talking about. And if you're a guest of ours, either here or online at one of our campuses, uh, now you're kind of caught up on, on where we've been at for the past couple of weeks. And today uh, though, I thought that we would, you know, kind of start with my grandmother a little bit because she always talked about, you know, the, the hard pill to swallow uh, when she was, uh, you know, I was a little bit younger and she would take care of me from time to time. And so that's kind of where I want to start at today with a tough pill to swallow. And it's a pill that's so hard to swallow, we actually want to resist the truth of it. Uh, this is something that we don't even want to be true. Uh, we hope that maybe it's only partly true, or you know, just a little bit true, but mostly untrue. And so this pill is so hard to swallow. We resist the truth of it. We we protest the unfairness of it because we live in a world where we think if it's unfair, then it's just not right. If it's unfair, then it's not the way it's supposed to be. So we protest the fact that this is truth and if it's truth, it's just unfair. And if it's unfair, then I don't have to really, you know, kind of do anything with it. And we despise the inconvenience of it. And so we do everything that we can to rage a defense against this truth because we know the implications of it. We know the implications of what it means for us as individuals. And, And here's the tough pill we're gonna start with today. I alone am responsible for my life. I alone am responsible for my life. We resist the truth of this. There's something down inside of you and something down inside of me. We want to resist the truth of this. We, we protest the fact that this seems on some level a bit unfair because there's a lot of what ifs and a lot of different situations and circumstances and scenarios that we could throw out there. And, you know, th- this just doesn't seem fair because, you know, what about them? And what about that? And, and, and what about this reality? And, and what about, you know, any number of things? So we we protest the fact that this just seems, this seems unfair. Uh, this is Inconvenient, Uh, I alone and responsible for my life. That's just inconvenient. Convenience is not found in being personally responsible for many things. So we just don't like that. But that's where I want us to start today. And matter of fact, I want us to start by just saying it out loud. So if you're ready here online at any of our campuses, ready, go. I alone am responsible for my life. One more time, let's just say it out loud. I alone am responsible for my life. Now. This is just not my truth and this is just not a truth but this is the truth. This is this is a truth and the truth that we're introduced to right out of the gate in the scripture. And what's so fascinating about the scripture is that when you read in Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, uh, we are introduced in the book of beginnings, the, the book of Genesis, we are introduced to so many ideas and so many truths and so many principles that we see on repeat and we see surfacing over and over again throughout the scripture. And this idea that I alone am responsible for my life, we see right out of the gate in Genesis. Now, if you'll remember how the story goes, God created Adam and Eve, our first parents, you know, the whole Garden of, Garden of Eden thing. Adam and Eve were created, the scriptures tell us, in the image of God. And, and we're told in the narratives that God gave to Adam and Eve what God gave to all humanity. He gave them free will. But something else very interesting that's there, and if we don't pay attention to it, we miss it. Right out of the gate, God gave Adam and Eve responsibility. God told them to rule over creation. God told them that they had dominion over creation. Remember that? He says, you're to take charge over creation. And that meant that they had the responsibility to care for the earth. They had the responsibility of overseeing. That was their dominion. That was their oversight. That was their leadership. So God, right out of the gate, he gave Adam and Eve responsibility. And then God gave them a commandment after he gave them responsibility. He says, I want you to have dominion. I want you to exercise dominion. He says, that's your personal responsibility. And then God gave them a commandment. He says, you can eat from any tree in the garden that you want except for one tree. He says, so I'm giving you a commandment. So God gave them the ability to exercise free will and God gave them a sense of personal responsibility. Now, again, I don't want you to miss this because I'm gonna lay a a lot of groundwork to get to the place where I want us to land today. Wherever you find personal responsibility, it requires free will, and wherever there is freedom of will, there must also be with it a sense of personal responsibility because freedom without a sense of personal responsibility, those two things don't work separate from each other. And this was the underpinning of the human existence from the very beginning. God gave them free will and God gave them personal responsibility. God said, you can eat of any tree except this tree. That indicated that they had a choice to eat, or to not eat, right? So God says, don't eat of this tree. That meant they had the choice. God then gave them personal responsibility, not only to have dominion over creation, but God gave them the personal responsibility to choose whether or not they would obey God or disobey God. So God gave them the commandment, that meant they had free will. And then beyond their free will, it was their own personal responsibility to either choose to obey God or disobey God. So we know how the story goes. Many, most of us know the story. If not, this will be fresh and it's an incredible story. You should go back and read it for yourself. But they decided to disobey God. They decided in a real sense to be irresponsible. They decided to act personally irresponsible concerning what God had told them. So they decided to eat the forbidden fruit. And what happened when that happened? They hid from God in shame. And so in the book of beginnings, in the very first book of the scripture, we are introduced to a truth that irresponsibility, personal irresponsibility always undermines relationships, any relationship. Whenever one party in a relationship is acting irresponsible, it threatens it, it undermines it, it puts it at risk, it makes it more difficult. That's just the nature of personal irresponsibility. And that's what we see happening in the very first book of the scripture. So not only did they hide from God, but they hid from God in shame. Because again, we're introduced to something that we see throughout the scripture and we see throughout the world around us even now. There's no happiness in personal responsibility. They hid from God in shame. They were all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed of it. And they go and hide from God because now the relationship has somehow changed. And that's what irresponsibility does to relationships. But beyond that, There was no happiness in their personal responsibility because we never ever, ever will we meet someone truly happy who's acting personally irresponsible. They may seem happy, they may seem like everything's okay, but God wired us in such a way not to find contentment, satisfaction in personal irresponsibility. So then God came looking for them. Remember this part of the story, Adam, where art thou? And what happened? Did Adam stand up and say, hey, I take full responsibility for this. Let's leave out of this, leave Eve out of this. She had nothing to do with this. Did he say that? No, did Eve say, no, honey, sit down. It was all my fault. It was my, I take full responsibility. No, What, what did Adam do? Adam blamed God for the whole matter. Said, God, it's you and this woman that you gave me. I didn't ask for this woman, I didn't ask for a wife. I was doing quite well by myself in this garden, but you gave me her, so I put this on you and I put it on her. And Eve's thinking, you jerk face, you know? And she goes, not my fault, it's the serpent's fault. And the serpent's over there in the corner, like, I don't have anything to say, I, I you know, I'm just, I'm just here. And so they started blaming. They blamed anything and anyone that was handy for their own personal decision. And we see what started then continuing now. If we pay attention all around us, we see irresponsible people often blaming other people for their irresponsibility. We see it happening at a chronic level in the West. We see it happening in our American culture. We, we just see this happening in families. You see this happening in companies. You see this happening in schools. You see this happening in organizations. Irresponsible people often blame other people for their irresponsibility. It's what started in the garden. It's what continues today because it's easier to blame someone else than it is to take responsibility. It's easier to make an excuse than it is to take responsibility. It's easier to say it's because of you or it's because of them or it's because of that, that I am where I am, that I'm doing what I'm doing, that I've chose what I've chosen to do or not do. It's just easy to blame. Uh, One clinical psychologist said, and I think they're right, they said to suffer terribly, to suffer terribly and to know that you are ultimately the cause, that's hell. That's hell. And it's easier to deny the hell. It's easier to blame the hell away or to explain it on somebody else's shoulders than to assume responsibility on our own. To say, this is the hell that I'm living in. This is the hell that I've decided to be a part of, I've participated in, I've done any number of things that have ushered in this reality in my own personal life. It's just easier to say it's your fault it's her fault. It's my parents' fault. It's, it's that group of people I've never met. It's their fault. Somehow it's not my fault. And, and this is kind of where we are in 21st century America. We live in a culture where irresponsibility is not only tolerated, but seemingly it's celebrated in some sense. Uh, we live in a culture where I know that you've seen it and I know that you know stories about it, but it seems like there's a lot of children or an increasing amount of children that are growing up And all of a sudden, they just assume that it's their parents' forever responsibility to take care of them. And so we see children growing up and they're not becoming more independent of their parents, but they're actually becoming more dependent on their parents. And they just assume, I can do what I wanna do. I can be irresponsible. I can make any choice that I want to, decide to go to school, not go to school, get a job, not get a job, you know, keep the job, lose the job, change the job. I can do whatever I wanna do because I believe that somebody else could and should be responsible for me. Now, we don't say it like that. We just, we just see people living like that. We see financial irresponsibility in our culture. We see it happening in 2006, 2008. Uh, companies. Behaving as though they were too big to fall and too big to fail. And so, you know, they flirted and they, you know, tweaked with the mortgage markets and they were out there on the edge and they were fudging books and they were doing all this other stuff because they they believed at the end of the day hey, we can act irresponsibly because we believe somebody else, the government, you, me, taxpayers, will step in and be responsible for what? our irresponsibility and then our own government, right? I mean, it's like, hey, we're gonna borrow, we're gonna borrow, 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 borrow. we'll just borrow, hey, you know, we'll borrow, and we'll borrow, and we'll borrow. But never a meaningful conversation, unless I'm not hearing it, never a meaningful conversation about paying it back, or who's gonna pay it back, or how we're gonna pay it back, or how many generations from now is gonna pay it back, or whether we're ever gonna pay it back or intend to pay it back. And it just seems also irresponsible because if, if you knew that your neighbor was always borrowing, 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 and they didn't care about paying it back, and they didn't care about who had to pay it back, you would think, How irresponsible. Well, welcome to America. And and this is just kind of, you know, how we're doing. And, you know, nobody's talking about it. And it's like there's no meaningful conversation about financial responsibility. And that's trickled down. That's trickled down to the individual and household, you know, uh, uh, households of America. 44% of Americans don't have enough money to cover a $400 emergency. 44%. 43% 43% of Americans have never made a payment on their student loan. And I'm thinking, why, what? I read this in Forbes and I was thinking, what are they doing? And then it dawned on, me well, they're waiting on somebody else to pay it for them. I mean, I'm just not gonna pay my bill. I mean, somebody else will pay it eventually. And you know, maybe the government will pay it or my neighbor will pay it. and. 38% of Americans have credit card debt north of $16,000 with interest rates north of 16, 17, 18%. 33% of Americans have not saved a single penny for retirement. It, it, it just, it's like, this all seems a bit irresponsible. And you say, well, yeah, but, and you know, you know, this and that, and da 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 And there's 12 things you can rattle off, but I alone, I alone am responsible for my life. At what point... Do I stop blaming? At what point do I stop shoving the responsibility elsewhere? There's social irresponsibility. People post things on social media that's not even grounded in reality or fact, but no concern about what sharing misinformation may do in the lives of other people or the consequences that it may cause. Just just irresponsible. Uh, There's $10 billion of unpaid child support in this nation. That's parental irresponsibility. And what about irresponsibility about taking care of ourselves? And I know it's like, is that even spiritual? Yeah, God gave you your body and everything spiritual you'll ever do happens through a physical body. So I think God kind of cares about how we treat our body. He did call it the temple of the Holy Spirit, but 40%, according to the CDC, 40% of the top five causes of death in this country are preventable, preventable. Well, that seems awfully irresponsible not to pay attention to that, not to try to work towards, hey, let's do something about that. So it seems like, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it seems like irresponsibility is on the rise. And if you listen long enough, it seems like there's a whole lot of blame out there for the irresponsibility that's in the air. Uh, John Miltimore, I was reading in a magazine, he said this, he said, it's just not that we don't teach people how to take responsibility for their own life. It's that in many ways, we actively discourage them from doing so woke culture, safe spaces, victimhood. Each is a manifestation of a culture that has replaced individual responsibility with collectivist notions of injustice. Now here's his point. When you put everything that happens in life under a banner of injustice, you at the same time also erode the idea of personal responsibility. If you say that everything, that bad, everything that bad that happens to somebody or you know, anything that's unfortunate that happens to somebody is some extended act of injustice, in some way you are eroding the idea of personal responsibility. And in doing so, you give everyone an excuse and you give everyone someone to blame because of where they are and what they're experiencing. Now, let me be clear. Does injustice exist? It absolutely does. Is every bad situation, is every unfortunate situation under the banner of injustice? Absolutely not. And you can't put everything under the idea of injustice without eroding personal responsibility. And personal responsibility is such a large theme in the scripture. now. I told you, I'm gonna lay a lot of groundwork and and this is not sexy, it's not flashy. I I just wanna go ahead and let you know, nobody's gonna shout today. Nobody's gonna interrupt me with applause today. Nobody's gonna get so excited about the content that they're just gonna take a lap around the church. Not gonna happen, I'm just gonna go ahead and let you know. But personal responsibility doesn't mean that you are personally responsible for every bad thing that's happened to you. It doesn't even mean that you're personally responsible for every good thing that's happened to you. Personal responsibility in the sense that I'm talking about it, it does mean we are responsible for how we respond to everything that does happen to us. Jordan Peterson, some people love him, some people hate him, and I really don't care which one you are, because truth is truth, no matter where you find it. But on this idea of social responsibility or personal responsibility, he, he says this. he says, "I've seen things you can't imagine." He's a clinical psychologist in Canada, and he's become a YouTube sensation, and he says, "I've seen things you can't imagine. Horror shows you can't fathom. And people have been hurt in so many ways on so many different dimensions. Should they be bitter? That's a choice. Should they be resentful? That's also a choice. Should they become violent? Again, that's a choice. These things don't help. In the end, they have to struggle uphill. And I love that imagery. Uh, We don't like the idea of uphill period. We don't even certainly don't like the idea of struggling uphill. He says in the end, they have to struggle uphill despite their excess burden because the alternative is far worse. What's the alternative that's far worse? A life of resentment, a life of hate, a life of violence, a life of blame, a life of obfuscating personal responsibility. He says, this is the essence of responsibility. And it is in responsibility that our lives find meaning. This is how one becomes a ship that can weather storms, not by placing your power in things beyond your control, but by taking responsibility over things you can. And that brings us back to what we're talking about today, that I alone am responsible for my life. It seems unfair. We have arguments against it. It seems wrong on some fundamental monumental level. This doesn't sound fun at all. If you've ever tried it, it's not convenient. And the implications of I alone and responsible for my life, the implications of personal responsibility, it always involves doing the right thing, doing the good thing, doing the best thing, which turns out more times than not to be the hard thing to do. And then the, pers- you know, the personal responsibility idea, the, the irony of it all, is that personal responsibility isn't just about me. It's just not about what's good for me or what's right for me or what's good for me. The irony of it all is personal responsibility turns out to be what's good, what's right, and what's best for you. And what's good and what's right and what's best for you and those around me turns out in the end to be best for me. And so this is the personal responsibility that we see in the scripture. This is why Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You do the hard work to find out what's good, what's right, what's best for your neighbor, and you pursue it with everything that you've got. And in doing so, somehow you discover that that is what's best for you. That's the way God's wired us. That is our personal responsibility. And so the principle is the impact and consequences of personal responsibility are rarely just personal but on the negative side, personal irresponsibility. It's rarely just personal. When someone, anyone, companies, nations, cultures, when they act irresponsible, there's always someone who has to pay the price. There's always someone who has to bear the burden, always someone who has to endure the consequences of somebody else's irresponsibility. When we are irresponsible, here's essentially what we're doing. We are inviting someone else to come be responsible for what we are not willing to be responsible about. That's what happens with irresponsibility. If I decide to be irresponsible, I'm inviting you to come be responsible for what I am being irresponsible about. And you say, what in the world does this have to do with this series? Because today is the only opportunity we have to practice personal responsibility. If you were irresponsible yesterday, you can't go back and redo it undo it. You don't even know if you're going to get an opportunity to be responsible tomorrow. But today is the only thing that we have. It's the only thing we've got in order to practice personal responsibility. And the reason that we should feel very passionate about this idea is doing the responsible thing today will prevent regret tomorrow. It just will. And for those of us who've been personally irresponsible at times in our life, you know it. I know that the end of that train always drops us off in the land of regret. And at the same time, doing the responsible thing today will create a better tomorrow. So this is why this is important to us, not not just because we read about in the scripture, though that ought to be enough for us, but when we look around at the world and we see what's happening to societies and cultures, and we dig down and we see how personal irresponsibility is fueling some of our greatest problems and some of our greatest unrest, this ought to be something that we are deeply, deeply concerned about and deeply passionate about. Because to live irresponsibly is to live a life of shame, resentment, and regret. And that does not sound like abundant life to me. Now, here's something that's ugly, it's horrible. Maybe it's just true of me, but I think it's true of all humans and it's just one of the ugly parts of our humanity, but there is something inside of us that has the tendency, that has the impulse to resent people who do better than us. I can remember I grew up in Bell County, uh, Appalachia, uh, and I, I can just remember you know some of the mentalities of adults. You know I, I would see adults and hear their conversations, and they'd drive by a nice house, and you know that nice house had nice cars, and they'd just drive by and they'd say, "I just bet they're, I just bet they're the, they just, I bet they think they're just the best thing ever." I, best, I, I just think that I bet they're just impossible to be around. It's like, have you ever met them? No. <laughs> well, how do you know? Well, look at their house. Right? There's just something, it's just ugly, it's horrible. We don't like to talk about it, but, but there's something in our humanity, something down there in our sinfulness, something down there in what Paul would call our flesh that we, we resent people who do the hard work we're not willing to do. Ah, oh, isn't that horrible? That's terrible. Why would we do that? We resent the people who do the hard work we're not willing to do. We resent people who took the risk we weren't willing to take. We resent the people who are willing to stand up and speak when we didn't have the courage to. We, we resent the people who live with a dream because we're too busy or doing something else other than dreaming. And our resentment, i don't miss this because this again, this is, this is not the introduction to the sermon. This is the sermon. This resentment that we walk around with when we live personally irresponsible, it is born out of shame. The shame of, I could have but I didn't, it's the shame of, I know that I could, I I could have decided different, I could have plotted a different path, I could have pulled out, I could have said no, I could have said yes, but I didn't. And so that shame and that resentment and that regret becomes our reality because of personal irresponsibility. And so the idea of personal responsibility in the scripture, again, over and over again, responsibility today gets rewarded tomorrow. That's what we find in the Bible. Responsibility today gets rewarded tomorrow. And we find it in the story of Israel. Israel, who were God's people, the descendants of Abraham. God said, you're gonna be a nation that blesses the whole world. But before they become a nation that blesses the whole world, they end up enslaved as slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Then Moses shows up, let my people go. You know, there's some plagues. And then eventually Moses leads God's people out of slavery. They get to the Red Sea, God parts the Red Sea. They go across on dry ground. Moses said, "Hey." I'm taking you to a better future. I'm taking you to a brighter tomorrow. But today, here's what you've got to do. Today, we're going to vote on whether or not we trust God or whether or not we put our faith in God and do what God's called us to do. So on that particular day, Moses sent 12 spies over into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. And 10 of the 12 spies decided to act personally irresponsible because anytime we choose not to trust God, not to obey God, it's in essence acting personally irresponsible. So that day they decided we're not gonna follow God. We're not gonna obey God. We think the enemies are too big. We think they're too good at war. And, and so we're, just, we're not gonna go the way God wants us to go. We're gonna go a different way. But there were two who voted yes, Joshua and Caleb. And they decided to take personal responsibility. We're gonna trust God. We're gonna put our faith in God. We believe that God's got a brighter tomorrow for us. So today we vote yes. And so Moses, he had experienced that. And then, you know, once they decided not to go into the land, God said, okay, you're gonna wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so Moses led them around the wilderness for 40 years of wandering. And then towards the end of Moses's life in Deuteronomy chapter one, it says they gathered together on the plains of Moab and and Moses made his last stand. He gave his last sermon, he gave his last speech and he looked at the nation and said, let me tell you about your grandparents and your great grandparents and some of your parents. And let me tell you about how they decided to act personally irresponsible. And because of it, there was a whole generation in the wilderness full of regret, resentfulness and shame. Let me tell you about how they forfeited a better tomorrow because they weren't willing to do what they needed to do today so that you don't repeat the same mistake. Let me tell you about Joshua and Caleb's generation who said, yes, count us in. He says, because I don't want you to mess this up again. And so Moses walks off the stage, he goes across the plains of Moab, climbs Mount Nebo, he dies. Joshua takes over, brand new leader, brand new vision. He starts talking about tomorrow, starts talking about what God wants to do. And then as he talks about tomorrow, he does the most interesting thing. He connects what happens tomorrow to the personal responsibility of what we should be doing today. And what we should be doing today, the things that we are personally responsible for today will directly influence the way tomorrow looks. And so in Joshua 1, God tells this to Joshua. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, when I write in my Bible, because I like to write in my Bible and I take my pen and and if I had my Bible, I'll show you what I would do. In my Bible, I wrote today and tomorrow because God follows a simple formula throughout this entire conversation with Joshua and the nation of Israel. He connects what happens tomorrow to what is going on today. Now, listen to what God says and think about it. He says. Joshua, let me tell you about your personal responsibility today. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, when? Today, meditate on it day and night, when is that? Today, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, when? Today, and then, after he talks a lot about your personal responsibility today, he gives him a little sliver, a little window to look to into the future, and he says, then, as a consequence, as an effect of, then you will be prosperous and successful, when? Tomorrow. Because what you do today, whether you practice personal responsibility or irresponsibility, what you decide or decide not to do today will very much be responsible for the reality that you experience tomorrow. Then he says in verse seven, again, he follows the same thing. Be strong and very courageous, when? Today. Be careful to obey all the law, when? Today. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, when? Today. And then again, a little sliver, a little glimpse into tomorrow that you may be successful wherever you go. He says, okay, I'm gonna spend a whole lot of time talking to you about personal responsibility today because being personal in your responsibility, taking personal responsibility today will very much shape the reality of what tomorrow looks like. So God says, Joshua, be courageous, be obedient, be focused, be intentional, Win God, today. That's your personal responsibility, Joshua. And if you do these things today, it's gonna directly impact the tomorrow that you experience. It's gonna determine whether or not you're positioned for success or failure for tomorrow. It's gonna directly impact the reality that you end up living in tomorrow by what you do today. And so the message is really clear. And the message is this, what you do today lays the groundwork for what you experience tomorrow. This is true when it comes to finances, right? Whatever you do today with your money, it's laying the groundwork for what you experience tomorrow. Whether you spend more than you make, whether you're saving some, whether you're putting some up for retirement, all of that, what you do today is laying the groundwork for what you experience tomorrow. Physical health, what you're doing today is laying the groundwork for what you experience tomorrow, if tomorrow comes and you don't even have an assurance of tomorrow or a promise of tomorrow. Relationships. What you do in your relationships today is laying the groundwork for the relationship experiences that you have tomorrow. The idea being what you do today, what I do today, it makes a difference tomorrow. Now, none of us would argue with that. We just don't live like that. And this is what God keeps on driving home to Joshua. He goes on and says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready, prepare. Prepare for what? Prepare for tomorrow, prepare for the future. When do you prepare for the future? When do you prepare for tomorrow? Today, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. And so the narrative goes on and in chapter three, it says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So you know, you can read the story, it's really fascinating. And this story is, it, it, this is an epic story, but, but there's so many things we could talk about, but I'm, I'm trying to stick very laser-like on, on this idea of personal responsibility. He, he tells the nation, he said, okay, here's your responsibility, keep your eyes on the priests. And when those priests take up the Ark of the Covenant and they start marching towards the River Jordan, follow them. That's your responsibility. So just keep your eyes because the Ark of the Covenant, it was the manifestation, it was a picture of God's presence among his people. And so the message was clear. Okay, here's your responsibility. Follow God, follow God. Wherever he leads you, whatever it costs you, follow God. If God leads you to a giant, have faith that God can slay the giant. If God leads you to the side of the seashore, have faith that God can part it. If God leads you to the valley, have faith that God can take you through it. And even if God takes you to the face of death, know that God's got that too. So wherever God goes, you follow him. That's your responsibility today. Keep your eyes on God and find out where he is and find out where he's going and stick with it. That's your personal responsibility Today, because again, there's so many principles. When you follow God today, you are positioned better for tomorrow. None of us would argue with this. And not only that, but we're positioned for a future that is so much better. And, and we're made better. So he says, listen, just keep your eyes and follow God because it's gonna make a difference tomorrow. And then Joshua, he says a verse that many of us have heard before, but we just haven't thought about it in these terms. He he looks at the nation and he says, consecrate yourselves. When? Today. He gives them their personal responsibility. He says, consecrate yourselves today for the effect of which tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Because what you do today in some way is connected to what God will or won't do tomorrow. So get ready today for what God has said he wants to do tomorrow. He doesn't tell them to sharpen their swords. He tells them to prepare their hearts. He he points them towards tomorrow. He he says, look, God's God's gonna do some amazing things tomorrow But before God shows up and does some amazing things tomorrow. There, there's, some, there's some boring things you've gotta do today. There's, there's some routine mundane things that you've gotta do today. There, there's some personal responsibility we gotta take care of today before God shows up and does what he's gonna do tomorrow. Because God's calling us to do what only we can do and be responsible for. And then God, when we take responsibility for what we are responsible for, then God shows up and begins to take responsibility for what only he can do. And so Joshua, he leverages the power of hope. He leverages the power of expectation, of anticipation. He says, look to the future and let it inspire you in the moment. Now, again, I don't wanna get lost in the weeds, but we find this all throughout the scripture. Paul does this over and over again. Jesus did this over and over again, leveraging the power of hope, leveraging the power of expectation, leveraging the power of anticipation. Uh, Paul would do it with suffering to say, listen, you can endure any suffering, any hardship, if you believe that God can turn it to good and on the other side of it, it's gonna be worth it. Jesus would say, you can endure persecution of any kind if you know that God's gonna use it for good and God is gonna make it worth it. Leveraging the power of hope, of expectation, anticipation that you can, you can walk through any pain You can walk through any fire. You can walk through any hardship if you believe that over there somewhere on the other side, some tomorrow, some future, God's gonna turn it for good. And someday you'll be able to say it was worth it. And if you believe that, then you can get through it. And so Joshua's doing the same thing. He says, look at tomorrow, look at it. Look how big tomorrow can be. Let it inspire you to do the personal responsible, the personally responsible thing that you should be doing Today, now, he says God's gonna do something great tomorrow and, and God doing great things for Israel, that was no, they were no stranger to that. Uh, they'd seen God defeat Egypt. They'd seen God part the Red Sea. They had been fed manna for 40 years. You know, bread fell from heaven. They, they wore shoes that didn't wear out. Their ankles didn't even swell. I mean, they, they've seen God do some amazing things. But, but Joshua's teaching the nation of Israel a very valuable lesson. And I think he's teaching it to us as well. Israel, you can't live on yesterday's miracle. Israel, you can't live on yesterday's manna. You can't live on yesterday's work or yesterday's accomplishment. You can't live off of it. You just can't. Don't be like your ancestors who over exaggerated yesterday. They thought yesterday was way better than what it was. And I think there's a lot of people, we all have a tendency to look back and say, "Wow, look how wonderful that was." And there's a whole study, interesting enough, go Google, go. there's a whole study about just how unreliable our actual memories are. So who even knows what we've even experienced? You know, sometimes I'm like, "Did we have children, honey? Are these our children? I don't know." But but you know, they over exaggerated yesterday. They said, "Remember when we lived in Egypt? You remember they were slaves? Remember when we lived in Egypt, the melons and the onions and the Garlic and the leeks, wasn't that incredible? It was wonderful, it was like a five-star resort. We wanna go back. So they over-exaggerated yesterday. They underestimated today. They got bored with God over and over again. You know, the fabulous became familiar really quickly. They saw God up on the mountain and everybody was like, oh, let's worship God. And then three days later, they built a golden calf and there's an orgy going on. I mean, they got bored easily. It's like, okay, you know, we're, we're kind of underestimating today and in doing so, A whole generation forfeited tomorrow. And and so Joshua's saying, don't do what they did. Don't be like your ancestors, don't be like your grandparents, don't underestimate today and don't forfeit tomorrow. This is about what you can do today and the impact that it has for tomorrow. He says, consecrate yourselves today, consecrate yourselves. Now, that meant some things for Israel that it does not mean for us. Uh, Mark Batterson, I love what he says about this. He says, you know, consecrating ourselves, you know, because this is what only we can do. God's not gonna consecrate us, you know, for us. Uh, he says, consecrate yourself. And so, you know, it, it's not so much, you know, it's not going to church, it's not raising your hands, it's not singing, you know, it's not any of those things. It was the sense that they were gonna be all in. And, and Joshua wanted them to be all in. And he wanted them to be all in because they're yesterday. Go ahead, you can put it there. Their yesterday was proof. Do you have that slide? Yeah, their yesterday was proof of a better tomorrow, but it was contingent on what they did today. Now, again, we don't even kind of like that, but their yesterday, God was faithful, God had answered prayers, God had showed up, God had done some amazing things. So they had faith that tomorrow could be good. They had faith that God would show up again, but, but all of that in the middle today, that's what the whole thing was contingent on. And so, as I said, Mark Batterson said, this is the moment when they decided to go all in. This was the moment that they decided that, hey, we're gonna trust God completely. We're gonna realize and we're gonna confess and live as though every second of every day and every penny and every ounce of energy, it is from God and it is for God. That's what it is, it's trusting God, obeying God, it's going all in, it's that moment when Abraham lays down Isaac upon the altar. It's that, it's that moment that Noah goes out and cuts the first gopher tree because the flood's coming. It's that moment that you know, that the widow reaches down into her pocket and gives everything that she has. It's that moment that David, he pulls out a sling and his, you know, the stones and he decides he's gonna take down the giant. It's those great moments that become the greatest moments. It's those great moments of personal responsibility where we're gonna gonna assume personal responsibility right now because we believe that God's gonna do something. Abraham laid Isaac down because he believed that God could raise him from the dead. Noah chopped down that gopher tree and began to build the ark because he believed the flood was coming. Moses walked into Pharaoh's court because he actually believed that God was gonna set his people free. Peter got out of the boat because somehow he believed that he was gonna walk on water And it was a great moment that became the greatest moments of their life when they stepped into personal responsibility. They took the moment, they took the bull by the horn and they said, this is the moment. I'm gonna do what I can with what I've got. And it's this idea that the potential of tomorrow, it inspires us to do the hard things today. Question, why else would we do the hard things today if we didn't think it paid off tomorrow? Why would we do that? And then additionally, the hard work of today is what helps us to see more clearly the potential of tomorrow. Not the assurance of tomorrow. Not the promise of tomorrow because we don't even know if we'll get to tomorrow. It's the potential of tomorrow. So you take care of yourself today inspired by the potential that if God allows you to live tomorrow to tomorrow, Tomorrow will be better because you took care of yourself today. You save today because you believe if God allows tomorrow to become a reality in your life, that tomorrow's gonna be better because you decided to save today. You study hard today because you believe in the potential of advancement. You do what you need to do today. You change what needs to be changed because you believe that better is potential tomorrow. And so this is the idea that we see all throughout this whole thing. What we do today impacts tomorrow. And this is in the Lord said to Joshua today, This is the next day. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so they may know that I'm with you, just as I was with Moses. In other words, Joshua, what's happening today started yesterday. Now, whatever reality that you're in and whatever reality that I'm in, this is when it's uncomfortable. We wanna say it's unfair, but it's really not. We wanna say that it's inconvenient and sometimes it is. But the reality of my life and your life today It started yesterday and it started the yesterday before that and the yesterday before that and the yesterday before that and the yesterday before that. And all of a sudden, just like Rome wasn't built in a day and Rome didn't fall in a day, we are in our current reality because of the things that we did, the yesterdays that came before. And Joshua and Caleb, the two that voted yes, they've got 40 years of yesterdays behind them that brought them to this moment of reality. The day had finally came when they were gonna cross the Jordan River and go over to the other side. It was time to move forward. God was gonna do something big today because they were—they decided to be personally responsible for the things that God said they were personally responsible for the day before. And the story ends like this. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord They stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground and while all of Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing over on dry ground. They consecrated themselves. They took responsibility for what only they could do. And then when the time came, God showed up and God took responsibility for what only he can do. Couple thoughts. This is what I want you to take home with you today. Today is the architect of tomorrow. You think about what tomorrow will be like, what you hope tomorrow will be like, starts today. What we decide to do today or not do today, say today, not say today, give today, save today. Whatever we decide to do today, it is building the reality that we will step into tomorrow. And that's why today matters. Habits today matter, actions today matter, attitudes today matter, words today matter because today is inextricably connected to tomorrow. That's why we're to live today inspired by the potential of tomorrow. Second thing to take away, be responsible for what you can do and trust God with the rest. They were responsible for consecrating themselves. They were not to act irresponsible and then act, ask God to show up and be responsible for what they had decided to be irresponsible about. Now, I've done this. You've done this. We've all done this. How many people do you know that ignored their health for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, and then begged God to give them health? God, I'm gonna be irresponsible with my body, and I'm gonna ask you, after all these years of personal irresponsibility, to step in and take responsibility for my health. I told you nobody was gonna stand up and clap. I told you it's not fun to hear. It doesn't sit well with us. How many of us will ignore this and ignore our children and not give them the time or the effort, the attention, not invest in them and ignore them, push them in every direction except the directions that really matter. And then one day, beg God, God, please step in after all the years of my parental irresponsibility, please be responsible for my child. God, I've not done anything wise with my money. I overspent, 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 overspent. I never saved, I never saved, I never saved. But God, would you show up and be responsible for my money after all my years of being irresponsible with it? So many Christian prayers are Christians asking God to be responsible for the things that we've been irresponsible with. And that brings us to the last point. God seldom makes a way when we have made no effort. We love to think that God's gonna sweep in at the midnight hour, that we can get that past, that we can live irresponsibly. And then at the last minute, God's gonna show up and God's gonna make everything just perfect, make it like it would have been. Had we been responsible for all of those years? Had we been disciplined? Had we paid the price? Had we done the hard work, lifted the heavy things? But it's been my experience, and it's something that I see throughout the thread of Scripture, that God is always weaving His sovereign purposes and activity into our personal responsibility that God decides to be active and he does so in some way where he intersects with our personal responsibility. And God makes a way when we're making effort and because God partners with us and God decides, hey, you've done what I've asked you to do. I'm gonna come alongside and do what you can't do. I'm gonna take this further. You're gonna go further faster. You can't get over this, but man, you've done the hard work and I'm gonna kind of just give you a little extra push. You see it all the way through the scripture. So let me encourage you, for those of you, you're practicing personal responsibility, and it's so mundane, it's so routine. It's the grind of everyday life. It's the grind of the job. It's the grind of the career. It's the discipline of trying to be healthy. It's the discipline of trying to spend time with your children. It's the awkwardness of those conversations. It's lifting the heavy things and it's exhausting. That's where God's working. That's where God's at work. It's down there in the routine of things. It's there in the exhausting. It's there holding on to the heavy things and struggling uphill. That's where God's working. And you're making an effort and God's gonna make a way. And if you're responsible for what you can do, you can bet your life that God will take responsibility for what he's responsible for. So don't shuck responsibility because it's in our personal responsibility that we find the activity of God. So... Where might we be irresponsible? We probably already know, but today is the only opportunity that we have to start doing the responsible thing. Father, it's not fun, it's not flashy, it's not sexy, it's doesn't sell books, because God, this is a truth that we see all throughout the scripture, that I alone am responsible for my life. You've given me responsibility. You've given me free will. You, you've given me the ability to choose to how I will respond to the things that happen to me and around me. You've told me what I'm responsible for and you have promised. You have promised. You have put your reputation on the line to say that you will take responsibility for only the things that you can do that you've promised to do. So God, today, help us do our part. Give us the inspiration as we look to your promises and what you've said and what you've done. God, may we say yes to doing the hard things today, to making the change today because we believe tomorrow it will be worth it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, let's stand together and sing.